Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me and my co-host Stephen Kerr is the co-host of the Locked On Astros podcast, a man who's never slapped Chris Rock, despite the Yankees' letter Rock won't release. It's Brett Chancy. Happy Astros opener week, Brett. Man, it is it is great. It is so exciting that baseball is here. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, Robert, we had the chance and the opportunity to meet when we did a we did a live episode um, over at the Social Beer Garden, and that was my first time meeting you in person, and it was a pleasure. I heard great things about Steve, so I'm excited to be here. And it is opening day week, and baseball is the best sport on the planet and with the best team. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And this is Brett. I've told Robert this many times. I know that there are great events. You know, the Final Four, of course, is going on. The the finals coming up. You know, you have the Super Bowl, you have the World Series, but man, there's nothing like opening day in baseball for me. It's it's my favorite sport. So I'm just really excited that we're actually going to have a baseball season after what's been going on. Well, Brett, are are you feeling Verlander Part Two can be as strong as Godfather Part Two to keep your friends close but your enemies closer? And I mean. <laughs> By letting Marwin sign with the Yankees, we're, we're doing that. But yeah, you got Verlander is going to be starting up here in game three for the Astros. You know, I really do. And I, I'm going to I'm going to take a little more um, edgy approach. I'm going to say Rocky one to Rocky two, where Rocky actually takes the title from Apollo. I really think that Justin Verlander is coming back with he is at the right point in his career. Now, it's never been done a pitcher of his age to come back from Tommy John. But if anybody knows their body, um, it's a 16-year veteran future Hall of Fame pitcher. And so I'm not worried at all. I know that Verlander, the doctors, the trainers, the pitching coaches are going to listen to and and they're going to pace him the way they need to. But the way he looks in spring, I mean, he gave up his first two runs in 12 and two-thirds innings all spring. I know it's spring training, but that's definitely, I you know, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I think Justin Verlander is going to meet his 130 innings goal um, to where he can possibly cash in next year. But I look to see a revived Verlander. He's missed the mound for two years, and I, I think that's been eating at him for a while. Brett, I'm kind of curious. Were you a little surprised when Dusty Baker announced the rotation that Justin was going to be third instead of the second or maybe even first? I mean, at, at first I was a little bit surprised, but then when I got to thinking about it, you know, they, they probably want to try to give him as much rest to start the season as they can. You know, whether that's going to help him or not in the long run, it remains to be seen. But what, what did you think of that? Yeah, initially I was like, why is Odorizzi starting second and Justin Verlander third? I didn't have as much a problem with, with you know, Framber starting first because I think he has ace type stuff. But when you start thinking about getting him ready, he needs to be prepared, um, not starting him out the first day letting him kind of slowly work in. And then when you look at the numbers that Odorizzi has against the Angels, you're like, okay, you know, Dusty Baker's been playing baseball probably longer than I've been alive. And so, I mean, I tr- I, ha- I have to trust it. Now, I do admit my initial reaction was what? Because I was all pumped about Verlander versus Otani, but cooler heads have to prevail. It- it's one start. It's opening day. The rest of the season – it doesn't matter. You don't go in game 82 and go, man, that that opening day game really just, you know, catapulted us to this point in the season. So surprise, but understand it. Yes. You just said uh, it, it was against the Angels, but 
I, I just need somebody to take Dusty's toothpick out of his mouth and explain the Odorizzi thing because, you know, it's just the Angels. That's what's one game. We're going to be doing this for the whole year. And frankly, Brett or Steven, either one of you take this. Like, I, I just thought he would be out of the rotation. The Astros would have enough guys that Jake Odorizzi wouldn't be in the rotation because, frankly, he doesn't deserve to be with all the starters that they have. I really thought that Christian Javier was going to get the fifth spot. I thought they were going to put Odorizzi in the bullpen. But I think what Dusty Baker is doing is he's on, he's he's going with his veterans first. He's trying to respect Odorizzi and what they're paying him. And he's going to let Odorizzi have as much leash as he can take. And if he can't handle it, I promise you, I really think they're going to pull it back. But then again, Javier in the bullpen as a long relief man isn't a bad option but I was surprised that he was in there. Yeah, I think too, Brad, as, as I was thinking about it, I, I just, I, I always try to be a cautious optimist. I want to say that maybe this will be Odorizzi's bounce back year. And even if it's not, I think what you just said is absolutely right. If he's going to fall apart, I'd rather him fall apart, you know, in the second game of the season or, you know, the next first couple of three starts than later in the season when we really can't afford that to happen. So, yeah, as, as surprising as it was that he put him second, I think everybody raised their eyebrows on that. Are you saying trade bait, Stephen? Is that what you're well, talking to me? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, <laughs> what, this is the last year of his contract, right? He signed a two-year deal. So, yeah, if he's going to fall apart, do it early, put him in the bullpen, let him kind of sink a little bit, and then trade him before the trade deadline, and maybe you'll actually get something for him. So, at first, I was a little shocked, but maybe that's not a bad move after all. The Christian Javier situation, that's the thing that I'm getting a little bit concerned about because, you know, not having him as a starter to start the year, you want to ramp up his arm at this point. At some point, you got to have a guy that's going to be strong enough that can make his way through the year and into October if you're going to get that far. Now, maybe that this is the idea with Javier. They're thinking, well, if we need him in October, we got to ramp him up. He hasn't pitched a whole year. But Brett, let's let's be honest here. If we're talking about the Astros, the four best arms, Lance McCullers, Ryan Presley, Justin Verlander, Christian Javier. He's he's one of the four best arms. I want to see him top three in the rotation uh, come October, right? Yeah, I do too. Um, I wrote an article, I guess about a year and a half ago on him with a you know, featuring his invisible and and how when he pitches, he has this uncanny avail- uncanny ability to almost hide the pitch until it's released. And some pitchers hide it well, some pitchers don't. Some pitchers, you know what's coming, and he's got that stuff. He's got electric stuff. He's got he's got the moxie on the mound. He's got the you know he's got the confidence. He's electric and. and I really thought that taking Christian Javier out of the starting rotation at first, he struggled. He actually ended up doing nicely in the bullpen for them overall, but he is a guy that I think deserves to be in the starting rotation. And you would have thought with Lance McCullers being on the shelf the first part of the year that he might take that spot. Like I had, like I had mentioned earlier. Um, my thing is this, Robert, I've always said this, if you're not going to use, Christian Javier to his fullest potential, you might as well trade him because this guy's got value. I mean, and I don't want to trade Christian Javier. I want him on this team, but if you're not going to use him the way that he can be maximized, wouldn't I, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, use the guy properly or let him go to another team and have a proper major league career. I just, I feel like they're selling him short a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
it's now or never. I mean, that's the, that's what I, I really believe with all of this. And, you know, speaking of now or never, my next question, and you know, we haven't even talked about this yet, Brett with you and, and me and Steven, you know, we talked a little bit, but did you or Eric ever come up with a reason the Astros weren't basically interested in a one-year deal with Correa? The only thing Steven and I postulated was maybe that click and crane felt like Pena and some trade deadline pitchers, if they become available, could get way more out of that $35 million than, than just Correa. I really think that they are convinced that with what they have in-house is enough to withstand the blow of losing Carlos Correa. They know that you can't replace the heart and the soul that he was. They know that you can't replace the postseason. But regular season Correa I mean, he's regular season Correa. He's not, I mean, he's a platinum glove winner, but offensively, if Jeremy Pena can get you 250 to 270, hit 15 to 20 bombs, have speed on the bases, and give you almost the same output defensive-wise, they're very calculated. And this is where I, I had joked on Twitter. I was like, are we going to become the Houston Astros? Like the Astros and the Rays <laughs> combined with this James Click trying to save money and not spend. That's the only thing I can think of. And in James Click, we trust. And if he's right, then he hit a home run here. If he's wrong, then everybody's going to be wishing because I said that if they don't sign Correa, it's as big a swing and miss, if not more, than when the when the Astros couldn't re-sign or couldn't keep Nolan Ryan in when he went to the Rangers. Astros. It almost sounds like you're saying ashtrays, but that, that's, <laughs> that's actually pretty good, Brett. I, mean, it, I think – and hey, we're recording this on a Sunday, the day of the Astros' uh, last spring training game. Jeremy Pena hit two home runs today, guys. So you know maybe he's he onto something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I've Click is certainly not superhuman. Every GM makes mistakes. This might be one of them. Uh, only time will tell. But at this point, I've got to trust him. You know, for what he's done so far, I've got to trust that you know he just didn't want a one-year thing. You know, would it be great to win with Korea one more year? Well, absolutely. I mean, it'd be ridiculous not to think so. But I, I'm kind of along the same lines as you thinking that way. And if I could just add one thing, Robert, I think, too, if they keep Korea for one year, I wonder what they thought, what negative impact that would have on Jeremy Pena sitting in the minors for a whole nother year when they feel like he's ready. That's, you know, the, those are things, those are thoughts that I had, whether they're, you know, not in line with proper baseball thinking. I just, I think they wanted him in now and now he's your opening day shortstop. And he's 24 years old, meaning, you know, he's in his prime building up to his prime right, right now. And you want to get those, you know, service time over with while he's in his twenties as opposed to his thirties. But at the same time, it's Carlos Correa people. It's Carlos Correa. It is. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we'll see what happens with that and, and where they are with it. But, you know, I, I, I will say, those big starters and cheap relievers that you can get all of a sudden are easier to swallow when Correa's $35 million is off the books, uh, you know, in the middle of the season. And, you know, that's, they got Verlander at the trade deadline. They got Granky. They added some big money. It, it, it worked out with Verlander should have worked out with Granky maybe a year later. But um, the next thing I want to ask you about is how are you feeling Brett about a platoon of right-handed center fielders with Siri and McCormick. Hmm. 
A ringing endorsement. Same as us. That yeah. is wow. Yes. Sorry. I guess I'm I guess I'm speechless. You can take that one way or another, whoever's listening to this. You know, I really, I really like Chaz McCormick just for what he has to offer. I don't know that he is an all-star everyday center fielder right now at this career, not saying he can't become that because he's in the, he's one of the 750 MLB players for a reason, right? Jose Siri, I think adds you a certain spark and pizzazz he'll have at bats of brilliance where he'll hit a home run. He'll, he'll maybe hit, he'll, he'll beat out a single um, in like an infield single. He'll score from first to home. He'll do some exciting things, but right now they're holding a place for Jake Myers. And ultimately I think all three of those guys are holding a place for Pedro Leone. He, from what I've heard from people I talked to connect with the Astros, he is their center fielder of the future, even though they play him at short. I just think right now they're going to go with what they have and know that Jordan and Tucker and those guys are going to pick up the slack where they where maybe they leave it. The good news with Myers we heard this week that he's a little bit ahead of pace. It was an injury that scared me because there was, a similar injury with one of the the Dodgers key players where he missed. Well, he was out for some of the year, but he was never the same that the entire season. So the Jake Myers situation is is something worth watching. Leon, you know, he, he showed out in, in spring training. You couldn't ask for a better spring training for the Astros, Brett. Leon shows out. Jeremy Pena shows out. Justin Verlander looks good. I mean, this is scripted right now. I mean, it's spring training, so whatever, but still, that's that's good. That's good news for the Astros. No, it is. And, you know, coming back, there is there is pressure on them, but there isn't. I think Carlos Correa leaving, everybody assumes, oh, they're gonna have a drop off here. I mean, they very well could see themselves in a sixth straight ALCS. I don't think that's unreasonable to think. I love Myers. I think he's a five-tooled guy. I don't know what they're gonna do with Leon, but remember. Michael Brantley, he's not, you know, a kid. He's not a spring chicken. So that that's another position that's going to open up. So True. There, there's going to be outfield stuff. Pedro Baez, my next thing for you, Brett, is I want to ask you because he's throwing slower than when I pitched for the Leopards on my Meyerland Little League team. And I was just wondering, or is anybody wondering, if the Astros did due diligence on his medicals before they signed him? He is he is one of the guys that that really I think this bullpen is going to be a patchwork bullpen. I don't know what kind of options he has or if he has any options, but Pedro Baez is going to have to pitch out of his mind. If he doesn't have the velocity, he better locate the heck out of the ball and make sure he's missing bats because, you know, when Verlander leaves the mound, when Urquidy leaves the mound, when these guys leave the mound, they put it in the hands of the bullpen. You know, again, it's spring training. Um, Justin Verlander only gave up two runs, you know, you know, he had, um, uh, six strikeouts in five innings, but then they gave up like seven or eight runs after that. The bullpen just kind of gave Washington all kinds of runs. And I believe Baez was a part of that. Montero was a part of that. I just, I don't know. Um, Pedro Baez had a lot to prove because he does not look like the guy that they thought they signed. Steven, you didn't believe that uh, I actually pitched in, in Little League, did you? No, I, wasn't... I was uh, – that's something you've never told me in the several years I've known you, Robert. I learned something oh. about you today. I, no, no, it's I not I totally true. believed you, Robert. So, <laughs> but, and the wow. Astros may be calling you with that patchwork bullpen if things don't straighten Yeah, I heard – I thought I thought I heard Brian McTaggart reporting that Robert Land was throwing on the backfields uh, today in, Ro- um, in West Palm. Yeah, Robert Land actually sounds like a good name for a pitcher, doesn't it? I think, think I pulled a surgery. I did a Tommy John 
right oh. just thinking about throwing the pitches at, at this point in my story. life. Likely story. <laughs> uh, biggest concern about the Astros this year. What, what's your biggest concern? I think it's the bullpen. I, I just, I don't, you know, you have plenty of young, really good arms, electric arms in AAA, and that's what I'm excited about. But if you're depending on Ivy and Dubin and Canine and Martinez and Bermudez to come up and be superstars in the middle of a mate, their first major league season, I think that's a bit, I think that's putting a lot on them. Um, you, the back end has got to be solid. Matan, Stanek, Presley, I think are going to be solid. It's what you get from Blake Taylor. Um, it's what you get from these, from these other guys in the bullpen. To me, the biggest question mark is the bullpen. You're going to have to outslug some people, I think, at this point to win some of these days. You know, some of these games. There's going to be one-run games, but it's going to be like eight to nine, seven to eight, I think, just because we've got the power. We just we got to stop them on the, on the mound. Anybody in the AL West scare you? Uh, there's nobody within seven or eight games, according to Vegas, uh, with the rest of the teams in the AL West. Mariners, maybe the real uh, team that's the, the the. I mean, the A's. It looks like uh, they, they basically have sold off the entire franchise, and they're going to be wearing uh, some t-shirts and and shorts this year. I don't know what they've got left in the put. Yeah. Um, I heard that their slogan is Oakland now, Vegas later. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, the Mariners, I think, will be a scrappy team. They will be the team that will be the ankle biters in the West. They will be the team that will put together some nice wins. You are, you're going to see Julio Rodriguez, one of the top, the top prospect right now in Major League Baseball. He's on their opening day roster. They've got Robbie Ray. They've got Crawford. They've they've got a lot of really nice pieces. A kid, you know, guys that are fun to watch. Ty France. Um, and so I I think the Mariners are going to be competitive, but I still think it's the Astros to win. Um, I think I think the Astros don't necessarily run away with it. Um, I think the Rangers are going to put up a fight, but they still don't have a lot of pitching. The Angels, well, they're Mike Trout and Otani and Rendon and then Noah, really. That's your pitching answer. And so um, I think it's the Astros to run away with, not necessarily run away with, but they're going to win this. If 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 they win about seven or eight games, I'm, I'm stoked. I think the Mariners hang around a little bit. I think the Mariners get hot, um, but, you know, we'll see. They've gotten hot before. They love getting hot in the beginning and then fall off at the end. So we'll see if the players they have help them stand the test of time throughout a long 162-game season. Any of the rule changes bother you with the new collective bargaining agreement? So the ghost runner thing is back, right? It's back. Yes, I liked it. it I was like one of the three three people that liked it. To me, it's not fair to the pitcher that's on the mound. It's It's kind of like when the NFL made the Brett Favre rule. It's like, so you're mad you lost by a field goal, so now you got to add more rules because, (laughs) you know, it's like, what's next? We're going to spot the Angels 10 wins because they can't win with the Otani and Trout. I mean, like, where are these rule changes going? I think you have a 10th inning and 11th inning clean bases, and then 12th inning you start, or get let's get creative with it. 10th inning, you have a guy on first. 11th inning, you start with a guy on second. 12th inning, you start with the guy on third. You want to talk Ooh. about ending the game quick, just move him around. You get that guy on third, all you got to do is hit a sack fly. He scores, you win, game over. That is that is something that I'm not a fan of. I Are, are they bringing the transponders to the k- pitchers and catchers this year in the major leagues, or is that still like TBA? 
I think that's still TBA. I okay. I've heard about that, but yeah. Oh, I like that. I like I'm that excited about that rule, but I just, I don't know, like any rule changes for me, Robert, that, that alter the landscape of the game to me, I don't like. If it proves to actually shorten the games, I'm all for it. What about the pitch clock though? What do you think? Is it really going to make it that that much shorter? I mean, yes. is it is it really? I think so. I, think it is? I honestly think well, with certain pitchers, not not with every pitcher, obviously, because not every pitcher is slow as molasses in January. But that's true. Zach Zach Grinke is going to have to pitch. <laughs> He's going to have to pitch five pitches in a matter of like seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, but I like the rule because I think from an overall standpoint of attention span and things. Yeah, it may not shorten the game dramatically, but I do think it will help. And just in, in getting people to watch games when these pitchers are taking their time and the batter steps out of the box and things like, yeah, I, I think from a, a flow standpoint, it will at least help make baseball a little bit more watchable. Unless I miss something that's next year, right, though, Brett? Isn't it next year? What, the uh, with the, the pitch, clock. pitch clock? Yeah, it it may be. Um, it may not be this year. I know some things going to affect next year. I know they are uh, banning the shift. Um, next year, right. not this year. Now, Robert, I was going to tell you this on the whole shift thing. I don't think they should ban it. I think they should give a team five shifts per game. Hmm. You can shift five times per game. And once you use them, they're gone. Kind of like a challenge. Yeah. But I do like this. I do like them announcing to the crowd what the rule is, what the ruling is and why they ruled it. Kind of like the NBA does on the, on the TV screen, but they're going to announce it to the stadium. I, I'm sure the umpires are so excited that they get to tell the people why they got the call wrong. <laughs> I'm sure they are too. Hey, let me just tell you, Brett, and Steven knows my feelings on this. The pitch clock, if you don't think it's going to make a difference, you watch. The games are going to be cut by about at least on average 20 minutes. I, I wow. think it could be more. They're talking about something like 19 or 20 seconds with nobody on base, but then, or with uh, people on base, but 14 seconds. That's not much at yeah. all with what, oh. what's going on right now with, when there's nobody on base. And let me just tell you something. When there's 14 seconds to pitch, it doesn't mean the guys are going to pitch it in 14 seconds. When there's 19 or 20 seconds, it doesn't mean you're not going to want to wait and risk losing a, 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 you know, if they say, okay, it's a, it's an automatic ball. If you don't get rid of the ball, they're going to try to get rid of that ball and make sure it's on plenty of time. Plus, the other thing that I think is a fun part of this, Brett, and and this is something that I don't think people have thought about, is this can this can involve the fans now because the fans can go five, four, three, two. Oh, like I like it. It it could be like a Savannah Bananas baseball game. Um, yeah, I think we yeah. need to add if the if there's two outs and there's a foul ball hit and a fan catches it, that should be the third out. I mean, how cool would that be? Oh yeah. Bananas do a great job with stuff like that. They do. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I have no problem with the with the runner on second base because, I mean, Brett, let me ask you this: You go to baseball games a lot. What happens at the end of nine innings? What happens to the fans in in the stands? Where? Oh yeah, they what, what do they do? The energy's gone because a lot of them are gone. Exactly. Exactly. So. And 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 a runner on second means. Hey, some oh. some could happen like immediately this next inning, and you know that I always hear the that we change the rules of baseball. You're changing the orga- organic stuff of baseball or whatever. There's look, sports have to evolve. Things have to change, and you you can't if you're 
Houston be upset that a baseball game is going to end sooner when they're already ending at midnight and 1230 most of the time for Astros fans. It, it, like, get these games over with, and if I'm going to stay after 12 or 1230, at least I know there's a runner on second base immediately. At least I know yeah. so, something's going to happen, and, and there's real tension as soon as that next inning starts. Otherwise, hey, I, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to hit the sheets. And I'll look at the score in the morning, and and that's it. And if you're a if you're a baseball, you don't like that because um, you're trying to get you're trying to get as many eyes, and you're trying to get as sell as many you know stuff on the screen and all that sort of thing. You, you can't. It's it's just not good. I I think you need to speed things up. You know, I think it makes perfect sense, and um, I'm totally willing to change my mind. I'm never dead set in one way. And when you say it like that. I remember that as a podcaster and what we do on Locked on Astros, we literally are when we are on and there's a game, we are we are post-game recaps. So that those West Coast trips are brutal for a teacher by day. <laughs> so okay, yeah. let's let's go ahead and speed things up. Yeah, that's uh that that's just it's sad for me to think about it. Um just uh last last thing, anything with you, Stephen, that you're thinking about before we let Brett go. Well, I, I'm just wondering, you know, Brett, I think you, when Robert was asking about your biggest concern, I think mine, you know, aside from the bullpen, it's certainly one of them, is Lance McCullers. I, I just get so frustrated every year. This guy is such a good pitcher, but he cannot stay healthy. He went through a whole season last year, but then when he got to the playoffs, he wasn't there. And I just, you know, at some point I go, what is what is he doing or not doing? Is he just, is he cursed? Does he not train properly? But, you know, once again, Lance McCullers is not going to be starting the season. He's not going to pitch a full season because he's not healthy. Yeah, that is a huge concern, especially with, you know, the $85 million contract. And this is a guy, too, that really loves the town. He loves this. I mean, he loves the city. The city has embraced him. He's kind of taken on the captain mantra, you know, bury me in the H just recently and people making T-shirts out of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. He's a guy you root for. He's great in the community, but yeah. yeah, it just, man, I would love to see one or two seasons where he doesn't get injured. Just ramp him up for October. That's all we care about. I mean, well, that's because he is Mr. Clutch in October. And and basically, I think you just try to piece it together. You you got that contract for a while and everybody loves him. It's not like you're just mad at him for this. No, he's a great guy. Believe me, I, I fully agree. Well, Brett, uh, tell people what's going on with you guys this week. You guys got some good guests. Anybody in last week's show that people might have missed when they were running around the pool and and, <laughs> and doing all the uh, outdoor stuff with, while the weather's good in Houston? So I recently did um, a player feature on on Jeremy Pena with our Locked On Farm guy. Um, it's, a, it's a great episode. We've gotten a ton of views on it. Working on a guest this week, hopefully have Robert Flores returning from MLB Network. We're trying to get that worked out with his promotional people. But we've had several of the Astros farmhands on Jimmy Andersby, Joe Perez, Sean Dubin, guys like that. So please check us out. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked on Astros. You can get us on Apple, Google, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Um, we are literally Monday through Friday every week during the season. And even if there's an off day, we're still talking Astros. It's great stuff. I mean, it's your Astros place to go. We try to do everything here. But if you want to zero in on what exactly is going on, the day-to-day minutia, those are the guys to, to, to watch and listen to. Thanks so much for doing this, Brett. And I uh, hope to talk to you down the road this year for sure. Yeah, thank you. And we'll have to bring, we'll have to bring you on our show as well. We'd love to do 
um, a collaboration with you, and good luck with Houston Sports Talk. Um, I'm Sean Wheelhouse, and, man, these guys get two thumbs up, so make sure y'all are listening to them. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.